Good morning! Speak, friend, and enter the Bag End Book Club. This week we are finishing out the back half of The Hobbit, which is actually shorter than the first half of The Hobbit, despite being more chapters. Uh, I'm Nora, I'm joined by M. Hi, I'm here. I'm joined by Jackson. Hello! I guess I, I'm joined by one of my name who did this. I, I am thrown by this, but hi, I, I'm up. I had a plan to alternate so that I could sync up the audio more easily, but we're rolling with it. How's everyone doing? Are we ready to talk about The Hobbit? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. We don't do any sort of segment one on this, do we? Uh, Anyone read any Tolkien in the time? <laughs> yeah, I read The Hobbit. Yeah, I read Return of the King last week. Uh, yeah, no. Weird one to start with. <laughs> Decided I'd go in reverse chronological order, just to fuck around. If you're Fair developing enough. the machete order, <laughs> where you you jump back and forth between the two books of each book to keep it in line with each other chronologically. Now that's like some the- ring theory. God damn it. <laughs> Welcome back to Back End Book Club. M. Hi. As our resident wizard and meddler, would you I'm like to I'm not a wizard. I am I am the dwarf oh. of the group. I refuse <laughs> okay. to be identified as the wizard. Okay. Who's the wizard? You. Like you're the wizard. You're the wizard. Yeah. You're the wizard. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Well, M. <laughs> uh would you be so kind as to tell us what happens in the last ten chapters of The Hobbit? So, all the dwarves were in barrels, and Bilbo breaks them out, and they, they hang around the town full of men, which is refugees from when the mountain was taken over by the dragon. Um, this place sucks, so they just move on. They move up to the mountain, uh, they hang out there right as Durin's day approaches, and they see the hidden door, and they they send Bilbo in, because they're too cowardly to go in. And Bilbo meets Smaug and has a big talk with Smaug, and Smaug's like, hey, uh, thief, get the fuck out of my place. Uh, Bilbo steals a cup, uh, proves his worth, and then Smaug like, tries to be real sneaky and circle around and destroy where he thinks they're coming. He knows where they're coming from. Tries to destroy the entrance. They've already gone inside the mountain at this point, and so Smaug decides to go menace the men of the lake and goes to do that. Bilbo, while he was there, noticed that uh, Smaug had like a chink in his armor um, from like where a gem wasn't. He had like a big waistcoat of gems on his underside. Um, and uh, a bird, the thrush, learns that. Does Bilbo doesn't tell the thrush, right? The thrush just knows that the, no, to look Bilbo, for this. The thrush is listening to their conversation. Right. Bilbo tells the dwarves, and the thrush is listening. Thank in. you. Um, and then that thrush goes and tells Bard the Bowman, who's just a gloomy guy on the wall of the lake town. Um, he's just one of like a dozen archers, but he's the guy who's always like morose and like, oh, today we're all gonna die on the wall. And like, shut up, Bard. But this time he's right. <laughs> It only takes one. Um, and he's, he's ready to face his death and he fires one last black arrow into the heart of Smaug and the dragon lands on the town and everyone's escaped. Most people have escaped and don't die, but Smaug is dead. Dwarves don't know this. They're waiting to be murdered in the, in the cavern. Like, I guess we're just going to bar the door and wait and see what happens. Um, the elves all come to the town and join up with the men and they ride north to the mountain um and they're like we're gonna have a big sit down because they owe us some treasure we killed the fucking dragon and also we'd like to re-inhabit the town we need a little like startup cash to get that going um unfortunately at this this time thorin has become uh 
jealous of the, the, keeping his riches to himself. Uh, he's been looking for the Arkenstone, which is a big shiny gem uh, that's like the treasure of the Kings of Dwarves. Uh, Bilbo took this when he was in there the first time and just kind of pocketed it. And uh, mad at being ill-treated by the dwarves, he goes and shows it to Bard and uh, Thranduil, the Elven King. And uh, Gandalf shows up and is like, oh, good job, you have this. Um, it's really going to piss him off. <laughs> uh, and so he hands it to them as far as part of their negotiations and then goes back in and then uh bard and thranduil ride up and like well you're not gonna give us our mount of the treasure what if you exchange it for the, the arkenstone and uh bilbo immediately cops to stealing it i don't know why shouldn't doesn't have to do that um he's just too <laughs> honest for his own good uh and thorin gets very mad at him and everything's just getting bad uh and this is when a d the dwarf army that Th uh, thorin summoned shows up and uh they're about to have a big whole mess um but right as they're about to engage in this big battle of people who shouldn't be fighting, uh, a bunch of or uh, goblins, orcs, um, and wargs show up over the mountains, also hearing that Smaug is dead and that there's a dwarf army and they're, they're going to start some shit. And uh, all the good guys immediately team up because they don't actually want to kill each other and fight all the bad guys and almost lose until the eagles show up because that's what eagles do. They show up at the end of things and save everybody. Um, <laughs> That all done, uh, Bilbo sleeps through the whole thing, getting knocked on the head. Um, wakes up and Thorin's about to die. He was, you know, killed in battle, basically, and, uh, forgives Bilbo and Bilbo forgives him and it's very tearful and, uh, he's laid to rest. And then the humans take up the town, the, the town underneath the mountain and the dwarves take up the mountain and everyone goes home happy. Uh, except Bilbo finds that while he's been gone a whole year, everyone declared him dead and is trying to sell his possessions. Um, that's a whole mess, but he kind of sorts it out eventually and lives happily ever after. Sorta. The end. The end. Big sorta at the end of that. <laughs> um, I mean, only because we know about Lord of the Rings. Yeah, only because it's happily ever after in this book. Yeah. <laughs> but like a really, um, a really specific Tolkien happily ever after. Of like yeah. he just kind of hung around and like was the weird guy in the neighborhood who had a bunch of gold that no one knows where it came from and uh, showed kids his cool sword. <laughs> <laughs> and he donated his mithril uh, mail to a museum. Yeah, at some yeah. point he's gonna have to ask for that back when he goes when he pops yeah. off to Rivendell. <laughs> um, also, you know who else helped him out in that fight it was Bjorn. Bjorn's there, yeah. He's yeah. there. He carries uh, Thorin back in after he got got like messed up oh yeah and then uh, bilbo and gandalf just get to vibe with bjorn for like six weeks walking back home yeah <laughs> yes that's chilling that's pretty sick the back again part is very funny in the way that it's just like yeah they just went home it's fine took for took for fucking ever but it's not as interesting as the way out <laughs> it took about the same amount of time but nothing happened so they were just chilling they was <laughs> well, chilling. no the thing the thing they specifically say is a lot of things happened and it was very difficult but it wasn't as dangerous so we're not going to include yeah. it here yeah well and he also says like i had bjorn and gandalf with me it was fine <laughs> uh they took the long way back too because they had to go all the way around the forest. Yeah, they you ever you ever get that forest. to that part in like an RPG where you come back to the starting area, but now you're level fifty and you're just like stomping the shit out of monsters that are giving you trouble. That's what <laughs> Bilbo's doing, but he's not actually doing anything. <laughs> no, he's party. Bil yeah, no, Bilbo is the player giving commands to the other characters. <laughs> He's he's the gotcha protagonist who like, tells all the characters what to do. Uh, I don't think he's telling estate... either of those guys what to do. <laughs> the, the Tolkien estate is funding my uh, tactics roguelike, um, The Hobbit, back again. 
That would be pretty cool, though. I, no, you... I wouldn't. Shut up. <laughs> I played a very fun Lord of the Rings tactics game on the Game Boy Advance called Lord of the Rings The Third Age. Okay. okay. But anyway, back in The Hobbit. Um, <laughs> we have to deal with everything that happened here. Um, the second half of this book is fucking great. Yeah. It's really good. It's so it's good. It's really fucking good. Um, this is like the stuff that I did not remember as much from when I was a kid. Like, I remembered the trolls and I remembered, you know, the spiders from when I was a kid and all that. Like, this is all like, not complicated, but like, just not the stuff that I latched onto as a kid. It's all the like bickering between like you know there's a lengthy sequence of bard and thorin just like standing like outside each other's gates like yelling to negotiate um for like i want 114th well you won't have shit well i want 113th i'm you not even sh- gonna come to the table until you tell those elves to go home yeah <laughs> and he's like they're, they're helping us the <laughs> they, they rescued us from getting our homes destroyed we're not telling them to go home stop being an asshole <laughs> Um, you know what it, it needed though? What did it mean? It needed some kind of like romantic subplot. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Stop. Stop That's it. not what we're doing here. <laughs> well, we will watch and cover that movie. I'm sure, but by we, I mean me and Nora. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> at least if no one else, who no knows? One else. Who can say? In a year or no so, one, no one else wants that. Um. um So Bilbo talks to Smaug, and it's, I think this is the best part of the book. I think this chapter is incredible. Uh, oh, yeah. The ways in which Smaug is, like, they're both really guarded um, in a way that he kind of isn't. Like, when he talks to Gollum, he's like, blunders in, and they're both like, what do we do with this situation? We're just going to mumble our way through, basically. Uh, but Smaug feels dangerous in a way that Gollum does not. And Bilbo seems, like, prepared, but also because of that, like, overconfident in a way that he wasn't when he was talking to Gollum. He just almost talks himself into, like, pulling off his ring in the middle of talking to Smaug, which is very funny. I just good. Like, the the menace and the power of, like, just hanging out with this dragon that is waiting to kill you, getting overconfident, he almost gets burned on the way back uh, because he says, I'm leaving now, when Smaug knows where he's leaving, too, um, is good. It's all really incredible. Yeah, and and, like... And, like, Tolkien is just, like, in rare form, and just, like, the the whole, like, him listing all his, like, I'm the barrel rider, and Mr. Lucky Number, and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's just <laughs> Mr. Fun. Lucky Whatever the... No, that's basically Smaug, what he Smaug says. calls him that. Yeah, yeah no, he's, he's, he's his barrel rider, rider and luck bringer, and he's like, ah, oh, I'm sure barrel was your horse. <laughs> yeah. And it was certainly that... fat enough. <laughs> uh, yeah. They're just, the, the way they just, like, throw barbs back and forth at each other is so fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but oh. then, then Smog throws a big fit and decides to go destroy some men because that's what Smog does. <laughs> it's very funny the way that like Bard kind of like wanders in from a different story a little bit, <laughs> like because like at the very beginning, um, uh, in an almost sort of like genre aware way, I feel like Gandalf's like. Well, if we had a warrior, if we had, like, a hero, we could, you know, kill Smaug pretty easy, but uh, we don't have one of those. Um, and then here, Bard wanders in and is like, oh, yes, he was descended from a great line of kings and tail. <laughs> <laughs> he just, like, a bird tells him how to kill the dragon, and he does it. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking handled. <laughs> um... Oh, that's what happens when you're, like, you know, of the lineage. 
Right, exactly. Um, and it, it, it it's really funny the way they remark upon you know um, before before he kills Smug and he's just a guy who's like you know dour all the time. Everyone's like, oh, that's the weird guy. Um, but as soon as he kills Smaug, everyone's like, that's our king now. Everyone, we all love him, right? <laughs> we were all well, just the saying how great he is. The alternative is the master. Yeah, that's true. That guy sucks. <laughs> the guy does suck. Yeah, the master is just like a bureaucrat, right? Like He's like the elected yeah. official, and he, he wants his power, but he only gets about it through like glad handing and like being like the guy who's like oh you know we make sure the fairies run on time um that guy no one likes that guy people want a king (laughs) we want a fucking king they want a king who killed the dragon yeah what more can you want from a king uh yeah no cool sword kill the dragon he doesn't have a sword um someone gets a a kingly sword at some point right there's like a thinking about last time where they no. took the magic swords out of the troll den? i thought someone i thought someone was like made a big show of giving someone a sword Did someone make a big show of giving bilbo a sword no they gave bilbo he, he bilbo's got the um the armor he's got the mithril on that's what i'm thinking of. there is the bit there's a bit at the end because um thranduil took uh orcrist from thorin when they were captured last time uh when the thorin is laid in the hall uh thranduil's like oh, here's your sword back yeah. You know, fit for a king. And then forevermore it glowed when enemies were nearby and no one could approach the, the Lonely Mountain, which is sick. That is a pretty sick, like, radar system. <laughs> like, all of the tombs lighting up. The king's tomb is lighting up. <laughs> Get ready. The imagery of the Lonely Mountain stuff is so good. Yes. It's so cool. Um, there's a bit there's a bit where they like they've traveled throughout the summer and they get there when it's like starting to get cold so they're just on the side of this mountain like looking around for this door but like it's not it's like a little it's like a rock outcrop right like they're just, they're just flat and then they don't know really what they're looking for it's just dwarves crawling up these cold mountain slopes and they find this place and it's just like a shitty hollow and they talk about Bilbo. there's like a passage where Bilbo's sitting there and just like giant snails are crawling around it's just a spot where snails like to hang out uh it's just so like weird weird it feels like it ends up being described even in this setting as like an alien landscape to them i have a slightly yeah. earlier um well, I, I highlighted a bit which is just before they actually like start describing like when they reach the mountain uh but this is like my favorite uh paragraph of tone setting in the whole novel uh which is a uh, it was a weary journey and a quiet and stealthy one there was no laughter or song or sound of harps and the pride and hopes which had stirred in their hearts at the singing of old songs by the lake died away to a plodding gloom they knew that they were drawing near to the end of their journey and that it might be a very horrible end the land about them grew bleak and barren though once as thorin told them it had been green and fair there was little grass and before long there was neither bush nor tree and only broken and blackened stumps to speak of and uh, uh what? only broken and blackened stumps to speak of ones long vanished they were come to the desolation of the dragon and they were come to the waning of the year it's so good oh yeah <laughs> i hate it when i am come to the desolation of the dragon and the waning of the year oh <laughs> it's rough um what else was i gonna say um i don't remember 
the uh the thing about the lake town that i really like is the the ways in which in many ways they're like contrasted with the hobbits and that they're like a p they, like they don't want any trouble like bard's ready to start shit if shit comes to his doorstep but they're basically just going about their business in like a trader town like their home was destroyed like two generations ago or whatever they're having a bad time um but they, they exist in a space where like even in a different way than the hobbits are like modern in the sense that like they don't they know of like magic and legends and dragons and kings, but they don't really like put much stock in it. It's just like a nice thing to think about when you're busy like doing your job and getting a wage and like eating bread. <laughs> there's a, there's a really good passage, uh, that's, uh, in, uh, a warm welcome, the chapter. Uh, but men remembered little of all that, though some still sang old songs of the dwarf kings of the mountain, Thror and Thrain of the race of Durin, and of the coming of the dragon, and of the fall of the lords of Dale. Some sang too that Thror and Thrain would come back one day, and gold would flow in rivers through the mountain gates, and that the land would be filled with new song and new laughter. But this pleasant legend did not much affect their daily business. Um, and I like the ways in which, they're living under the thrall of the dragon. They're afraid of the dragon. The dragon's real. They can like see the mountain. It's, it's like a real present danger, but it becomes normalized as like a, they're not going to think about the king who could defeat it. They're just going to live under the dragon. And like part of like, part of a lot of the, the end of this book and like, I think Tolkien in general is about like, you need to believe in people who can actualize like, dreaming big and acting big to confront the evils that are still there even when you're like no we're we're quiet normal people now um and that, like that's what like even like bilbo represents like the hobbits represent that aspirational way to move up like the echelon of being well like the end of the book reveals like basically why uh gandalf put bilbo on this quest right uh, which I it doesn't really make it explicit, but to me it is pretty explicit what Gandalf's doing here, and that he's like, okay, it, they're gonna deal with the dragon, and then then they're really gone to shit, because <laughs> then there's no <laughs> dragon and there's a mountain of gold, and that's a disaster. And I I think if I put this one weird guy in the middle of all of it, he can just make everyone talk to each other. <laughs> yes, uh, which is what he does, and that's like the whole his whole purpose for being in the middle of this mess is to stop a war. Uh, um, well, and I, I really, the the way he plays it of like, Gandalf is there. If, if push really came to shove, Gandalf could probably stop that war. But like, he I, was, he was there because he wanted to see if Bilbo could do it. I mean, it. the battle still happens. It's yeah. just that instead of orcs, uh, instead of like elves and dwarves fighting each other, now the goblins are here and that's okay. We can just kill them. That's fine. Well, it, yeah. it's, it's not about like a, it, the... Tolkien's not like uh, saying that you can't fight evil, right? Or that you can't do battle. Right. Uh, the point is that like th- three cultures meet at this mountain, uh, and under the dragon, they have like been forced into some kind of equality, um, and just by virtue of the fact that none of them can fuck with the dragon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Bilbo needs to be there to stop the like them immediately, <laughs> you know, fighting again the second everything goes to hell. Uh, because they want, he wants to come out the other side with you know the dwarves, the men, and the elves in at least some kind of tenuous alliance, and that's ultimately what happens. Like that, that is the victory of the book. Yeah. Um. And yeah, just like the way that like Gandalf is like there and like the I, I totally forgot. I totally forgot that like the way this gets resolved is like Bilbo giving up his share of the treasure. You know, um, that was just so like good as a character moment in the sort of like way that like you want a kid's book to be, you know, (laughs) um, 
because we've talked before about how like everyone in this fucking book is greedy and guarding shit and you know it's like thorin becomes the dragon once the dragon's gone um and just like says fuck it fuck everyone else i'm getting mine um and bilbo is just like a good fun character to have there because he's like i don't care nearly but as much about this fucking stone as i do about like my friends and also myself getting out of here alive (laughs) the thing i like about this is like the ways in which that's presented are different for every character. Like Thranduil, and this is, I know this is different than the movie and I fucking hate the movie version of this. Like when Bilbo brings the Arkenstone, he shows it to Bard and Thranduil and Bard's like, well, that is a mighty thing you've taken. And Thranduil's like, a thorn's going to be pissed. He doesn't want the stone. He's like amazed that Bilbo took it, understands the problem it's going to cause. His, his whole, like the ways in which he was a villain for one chapter were a bunch of dwarves barged into his kingdom. He's going to throw them in prison until he figures out what's going on. And while, while he's figuring that out, Bilbo breaks them out and they all escape or whatever cause the whole to do um but he's like jealous of his space in a different way like he doesn't want the stone he doesn't like want their treasure he doesn't give a shit he's a king like he's got stuff um of his own and he like you know he'd gather stuff but he's not going after the arkenstone the the battle is not like like you know we don't like talk about the movie but the movie pitches the arkenstone as like a fake ring it's like it's like before the ring there was this other thing everyone went crazy about it's just thorin it's just because he built up his head that this is the thing that makes him legitimate uh because he's he's got 13 dwarves in a hole in the ground and he's got nothing else um <laughs> it's just gonna drive him crazy because he's not a he's not a king driving out the dragon and living in his hall doesn't make a king you need a people who believe in you to be the king can i read my favorite little quote here yeah yes it's it's too it's a dialogue by the beard of durin i wish i had gandalf here curse him for his choice of you may his beard wither as for you i will throw you to the rocks he cried and lifted bilbo in his arms stay your wish is granted said a voice the old man with the casket threw aside his hood and cloak here is gandalf and none too soon it seems if you don't like my burglar please don't damage him put him down and listen first to what he has to say I love Gandalf so much. What a shithead. <laughs> a Gandalf is that. a messy bitch who lives with drama. <laughs> Extremely. Uh, the the thing I like about Bilbo in the end of this book is that he he says he doesn't want the treasure. And I, he, like, that's fair. And, like, you know, even at the end of the day, he doesn't take all the treasure that's due to him. But it's, of all the people, he, he has the ring, he has his adventures, he has his sword, he has his cloak. Like, he has gained the most and never, he's not the character that recognizes that like Gandalf recognizes that I think like the the other dwarves who survive eventually recognize that even I think Thorin at the end like recognizes that um but it's not in his nature to understand the things that Bilbo's gained which are greater than anyone else on this journey and Mm -hmm. also Bilbo gets all of the troll treasure which they had all buried so they could come back and get it yes but then Bilbo ends up taking all of it yeah (laughs) but even like we get to Bilbo like this is getting a little hard ourselves but even Lord of the Rings like he's he's he hasn't spent it all right like there's nothing like it's a it's an amount that like surpasses the percent like a hobbit couldn't spend it all if he wanted to there's nothing to spend that much on but he's also not like you know become an investor right he's not used it to uh there are ways you can use on like unspendable amounts of money to like exert power in a way that Bilbo yes. doesn't. And, yeah. Like like as we go into Lord of the Rings, that's going to be like a point of interest because like you know um, Gollum does that as well. Uh, like you know, there are some people who want the ring for like uh, reasons they can uh, maneuver. Uh, Bilbo just wants the fucking ring. Gollum just wants the goddamn ring. <laughs> <laughs> but the only thing he uses his money for, as of this book, 
is to just buy a bunch of presents for his younger uh, relatives. Yes. So that he's the cool uncle. Yes. <laughs> he bought everyone Fortnite skins. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, hello, Frodo. Here's another 5,000 V-Bucks. <laughs> he does say nephews, and I'm like, wait, is one of those Frodo? Is this, like... It, is Frodo born by this point in the in the novel? I'm trying to, like, work out timelines. Um, no. I no. No. Okay. No. I know, because, I know because, like, Bilbo lives for a fucking long time. Well, well no, be because like, because it's it's eleven it's his 111th birthday, right? Yes. Yeah, and Frodo's 50... On at, in Lord of the Rings, and Bill was fifty here, so there's like eleven year gap. So I guess like because the end gets really expansive about like for the rest of his days he did. So maybe it is it includes Frodo. Like Frodo is a beloved like nephew, right? In Lord of the yeah. Rings, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, like it sort of just is like, well, yeah, he's had to spend like years and years getting all his furniture back, and like it was just like buying shit back because it was too much hassle to go through the courts to get it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so Frodo could definitely be in that sort of time oh, frame. I forgot about this other hmm. sentence I wanted to read. Yeah, if that's okay. Yeah. Indeed, Bilbo found he had lost more than spoons. He had lost his reputation. It is true that he. Uh, it is true that forever after he remained an elf friend, and he had the honor of dwarves, wizards, and all such folk as ever passed that way. But he was no longer quite respectable. He was, in fact, held by all the hobbits of the neighborhood to be queer, except by his nephews and nieces on his took side, but even they were not encouraged in their friendship by their elders. So, yeah. he's cool to the little kids. Rob Inglis just, like, really hits on that queer and then pause. <laughs> <laughs> so there's an M-dash. There's a big, yeah. long yeah. dash there. <laughs> it's, um, it's how Tolkien meant to be read it. it. Meant it to be read. But I just like that he's got, like... He's gained this reputation with everybody, which means that he's lost his reputation with hobbits. Yeah. Who wants um, to be an elf friend? I want my fucking tea. I I forgot that. Uh, I forgot that like Bilbo just spends the next sixty years like summering in Rivendell. <laughs> well, no, he 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 he's he's in the Shire. He's not in Rivendell. Like he sometimes meets with the elves, but he's not like he's mostly in the Shire. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's all I mean, is that, like, it, it touches on, like, he does go yes. and visit the elves sometimes. Yes. The other yeah. thing I like, uh, specifically, is while he loses his reputation, he is not especially bothered by it, right? Like, he no, has come right. home from his journey, like, content to be back, appreciating what it means, but also, like, the mark of it is on him in a way where, like, if, if he isn't going back to the life he led, it, it's fine, because he, he wouldn't, he probably wouldn't be satisfied with that, even if he does not recognize that in himself now. Um, and, and... I'm, the the character at the start of the book would be deeply bo- bothered by the idea that he would lose his reputation. Yes, you know, and it's like this is the stuff where the um like dual perspective on what the, like metaphor of the hobbits are it like comes into focus, right? Because it's like on one level these are books about how uh there's huge armies and battles and dragons and the only thing that can like uh lead people to a solution is the wisdom of the like little british you know rural folk who uh know and appreciate the the world in front of them um but like whenever you know the hobbits are betrayed that haven't been on adventures like this they're the fucking worst people in the world he hates them um, the thing the thing to remember is that dwarves and elves and men are also british people to tolkien like it's all yes. british all the way down yes i but i i mean that like 
specifically hobbits like represent the like you know yes uh british rural uh communities and it is a metaphor about how even in themselves though they contain uh what it really means to to live which is to appreciate the land and each other uh they have just descended without perspective of the wider world into just sniping bastards yes <laughs> uh, literally yeah. yes they love slings <laughs> um, I have I have one more I have another line I want to I want to shout out yeah which is a, yeah I only have two this is my second one me and Nora highlighting our bits I was right before we meet the dragon um and it was uh the tremendous things that happened uh, no hang on. Uh, yeah going, going on from there was the bravest thing he ever did the tremendous things that happened afterwards were as nothing compared to it he fought the real battle in the tunnel alone before he ever saw the vast danger that lay in wait it's so cool God's good this is my favorite moment in the whole book. Well, yeah, because, um, like, I mean, it, it really puts in, like, you know, you, finding a dragon, you have to be brave to do it, but while you're doing it, it's happening. It's in front of you. But at that yeah. point, that, he That's could leave. Bard's thing, right? Like, Bard is Bard is always described as a grim man because he's, yeah. he's, he's aware that doom will befall everyone and he's willing to just stand up and, like, deal with it, which is a very, like, that's another thing that Tolkien cherishes, but Bilbo doesn't have that in him, not in the same way. No, mm-hmm. but which is why it's so powerful. Like he could at that yes. moment he could have left another. Like he would have been fine. Uh, the dwarf probably would have died um, without him. But it, like you know, the, it wouldn't have changed much. He could have gone home. Uh, mm-hmm. But he decided to go and have a uh, like weird pissing contest with the dragon to uh, try <laughs> to um, like out riddle him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, the other I love the way that Smaug is described as like. Or, or I guess to go back to like what M was saying about like um, Bilbo's overconfidence, just the sort of way that like, well, Bilbo had sort of lucked his way through all these adventures so far, so he thought it was fine, but he did not know like dragon spells do not fuck around, you know. <laughs> like if he makes eye contact with that dragon, he's fucked. Um, I do like the way that the narration is like, and of course Bilbo should have been on his guard for this, <laughs> as we all know. Yeah, <laughs> dragon speak. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing, uh, like broad picture, there's a bit at the end where they're like, "Where'd Gandalf go?" Oh, while he was gone, he went to a big meeting of the wizards and cast out the necromancer. Like Gandalf's. Like master plan to be like, I knew that you dwarves wanted your home back, and I figured we could just like shake up this whole poli- like region's politics by getting rid of the dragon and starting some shit. And while you were busy, I could start some other shit that would like was a nice you you were making a nice distraction while I was off getting rid of the necromancer. Um, and the way in which like peace in in our time settles over this region, unfortunately, a small region of the rest of Middle Earth uh, is good. I like this a lot because they talk like, yeah. you know, Thorin leaves and like the dwarves came back like they they were pulled in over months and they start rebuilding Um at in the at, like last chapter when the when one of the dwarves comes to visit uh, Bilbo, they talk about like, yeah, everything's going great now. Like we've got we're, we're working. We're, we rebuilt the town. Uh, us and the men are working together. Um, and Gandalf's just starting it like he's just like, you know, settled the woods, settled to the mountain. Ah, uh, that part of Middle Earth is handled. <laughs> Gandalf, I, 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 extremely the CIA of Middle Earth. <laughs> I love, I love, I love Gandalf because like, the, there's a way to leave out the Gandalf stuff because the 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 final lines of the books are basically Gandalf saying, "You think this was all you?" And he's like, and uh, Bilbo basically responding like, "I don't give a shit. I'm drinking some tea." Um, <laughs> as Gandalf's like, "Well, the prophecies, you know, maybe it was all to happen this way." Uh, but it really comes off as like. Um, 
there's like multiple levels of awareness as to what is happening in this world and if not if if any of them went a different way uh this piece wouldn't have happened like it doesn't negate bilbo's bravery for the fact that gandalf also like was manipulating everyone in fact the argument is more like everyone at every level if you see an opportunity to do something you should probably do it if you're gandalf and you have that power it's probably right to be the cia (laughs) but also gandalf (laughs) operates entirely through enabling people to like live their best dream right like He's like, you, you, the dwarves want their home back. I can make that happen. Bilbo is like someone who has the potential to like dream bigger than any hobbits ever dreamed. I'm going to nudge him in the right direction. Uh, just like putting the dominoes in place to allow other people to like actualize them falling is, is like his thing. Like he's, he's someone who deeply believes in the potential of everyone around him. Um, he's willing to start shit through it. <laughs> yeah, but like he, he only believes in the potential people around him insofar as like he has aims towards them. He know he's he knows people may like fulfill their potential sure, or not, but he's going to put the, them in places where that matters to his like. I think you know. I think the thing that's really important here is this character in almost all of contemporary fiction is an evil person. Yes. There's nothing evil about Gandalf. You know, it is not like is it worth it to do the manipulation because it makes the world better? It's not a question of that, right? Like, it is actually yes. good. He has the ability to do this, and thus it is good for him to do it. Yes. Uh, G- Gandalf is a moral good. He's just an enormous pain in the ass. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I really like that positioning, because I'm often, like, in these kind of, you know, stuff that we watch or read or talk about, like, in the genre fiction that we experience, we're often the people defending this guy who's usually an evil asshole. Yes. Um, but in Tolkien, he's just the fucking cool king of the world. He rules. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, like I, I, I grew up reading the fucking Harry Potter books, and like, yes. Dumbledore is like the evil shitbag. Um, but it's the not book like doesn't. It, think the book that. doesn't know that. It's, yes. it's, it's weird. We don't have to. Get also, too like, the, the difference there in like in a lot of these characters is there are obvious actions that other characters like in these situations could take that they don't. Gandalf. Uh, accepting that, like, he doesn't want to do shit himself, and we'll get into reasons why that's, like, a thing he shouldn't and can't do, like, way later. But, um, yes. He, he's always trying to push for the possible, right? Like, which is not what you see with, like, a Dumbledore, right? Like, you know, there's, you sit down with a lot of books, it's like, why don't you just get, why don't you just, like, fucking throw the, 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 the Horcruxes in a fire or whatever? Um, no, he's got to have like a master 17 part plan. Gandalf has no 17 master part plan. He's always pushing every agenda a little bit at a time, uh, just on a big yeah. time scale. In when, a way that's he's like not good. trying to shape Bilbo into a weapon that can kill no. a dragon. No. When you, you know? think about like, as well as I was about to say, like the difference between how like Gandalf interacts with Bilbo and compared to say like, you know, Obi-Wan and uh, Luke in Star Wars, right? Where like mm, Obi-Wan right. like sits, sits Luke down and is like, this guy, we fucking got it. He's in the bag. He's my new psychic gun. Let's go. Uh, yeah. That, uh, that, that, that guy I want you to kill, he killed your father. Fuck him. Kill him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying now. I will come back every so often to, like, you know, check up on your progress. And anyway, goodbye. Don't ask me any fucking questions. Uh, Obi-Wan and Yoda want a very specific thing from Luke. Yes. yes. <laughs> In a way that Gandalf is like, well, I just want to see what happens. I hope for the best. Yeah. Because G- Gandalf doesn't have a plan beyond putting Bilbo in this situation will hopefully turn it better than if he wasn't there. Uh, yes there's no specific like and then he'll be he'll do this right it is it is far more intuitive and just uh uh improvisational rather than he's the like, lucky number chess master yeah he's the lucky number yeah mm-hmm. he's just gonna like nudge things just a little bit at the right moments yeah just a little guy <laughs> that's true the hobbits they are just little guys <laughs> uh i also um 
No, I thought you were going to read something, so I was... No, I was just thinking, I was just double-checking which dwarf came to visit at the end. It was it was Balin. Yes. Yeah. Is yeah, he the Thorin one that and... to the Mines of Moria? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, Thorin and Philly and Killy all die. Those are the three that eat it uh, in the big final battle. Rip to Philly and Killy. Yeah, there's there they don't like Bilbo. They're already dead when Bilbo wakes up, but it's like they threw themselves on Thorin to like save him when he fell, um, which didn't really work, unfortunately. <laughs> no, but it did lead to Bilbo and Thorin having the last moment yes. together. It's good. I love the Tolkien's like. All right, what are the actual parts of the battle? It's interesting. Uh, well, it's the lead up and the like. What sides are gonna ally with each other, and then it's the like tragic death speech. Well, it's also uh, the eagle showing up. As the years, <laughs> yes. and, and the literally bear. nothing. Else. I will write nothing else. There'll be nothing here because I've like I've always known how short the battle was in this book. And I was like, I wonder how that will read when I get to it. And it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel weird. It doesn't actually feel truncated in any way in the book. Yes, no. I, I and I remembered it in in my memory. It feels like abrupt and short, but that's not. It feels pretty natural, you know. Like you get enough of the broad strokes, and we just don't have to see, you know. All the little details. Even at 1.5 speed in an audiobook, it didn't feel that short. Yeah. It felt just fine. Yeah. Because you like, get it, all of it, and it's like... To, to go into any more detail would really require like adding POV characters that you would follow at that point. Yeah, and the general who does such and such, and or whatever, it's like which is like uh, where where fantasy goes at this point. Yes, <laughs> like yeah. the having twelve different POV characters over a narrator who can like broadly summarize perspectives is like the big change. Tucks uh, my collar and tries to hide all my Brandon Sanderson books. <laughs> no, to be fair, I mean we like that Brand- genre. <laughs> to, to uh, no, you love that genre. Keep me out of this. <laughs> you like that genre. You've read Star Trek books. They're the same thing. They're the exact same thing. Yeah. We had a whole conversation this morning on Ars Arcanum about whether sci-fi and fantasy were the same goddamn thing. <laughs> they, like, they are... I. It's weird, because like, I guess I haven't read enough of either to know. I haven't read a, a lot of sci-fi is the thing. I like Star Trek, and I, like, I've read Dune, and that's like it. I don't read a lot of, I don't read a lot of genre fiction, period. So, well, Okay, I guess maybe not even... But, but I feel like... I feel like if you were to, st- regardless of whether it's sci-fi or fantasy, just like genre stories about a big situation in which you cut between multiple POVs is just like the accepted norm. I don't think that's a form that you would that would alienate you today, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. I like that. Um, the big, like the climax of this book, isn't even the fight, really. Like the, the climax of this book is him deciding to go. Uh, talk to Smaug. Because from there, like, it's all pretty downhill. Like, he he handles Smaug because you know you've seen Bilbo get out of a dozen situations. You know he's going to be able to handle Smaug. Um, the climax of the book is him walking down that hallway. I uh, forget I the part where they melt down the giant dwarven statue into rivers of gold to align with the prophecy. <laughs> Um, I could never forget that because I've seen The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, where this is a oh. slow motion, ten minute montage. That one, I, that one I, I, line I, being literalized into like the dwarves had this huge plan to like get Smog out of the mountain, and I'm like, I, this book is so smart about like it, Smog being destroyed only matters in like where it can advance someone else. Like it makes Bard a big deal, um, but like through like a different way. Like if the dwarves killed Smog, it'd be miserable. Like you don't need them to do anything here. In fact, it's better when they're like, we don't know what happened. We just hold up in here, and now the dragon's not back. 
They're the last people to find out Smog's dead. Like, literally, the entire world is coming to the mountain, and no one's told them. <laughs> yeah. How uh, they, they had to have a bird tell them. Uh, isn't there something about the river um, being... On the on the last page, uh, they say that, you know, Bard has made it... They're, they're writing songs about Bard, saying Silver that... Silver like a fountain, his river's golden run. Well... There is a dead dragon covered in gems in the in the lake. Does that, that count? That is different. That because Bard moves into the abandoned town at the foot of the lonely mountain. Mm-hmm. That that mm-hmm. entire lake town is gone. It is like a yeah. because they talk about how like even for generations, oh, right. no one will go to the island, like the lake town, uh, because it has the pall of the dragon corpse on it, basically. Which is what like the master's really mad about because he's like, if you set up here, everyone's gonna move to you, and you're gonna be the king. Even when Bard's like, I just want to be king of the new town. You can you can remain in charge of this fucking wasteland that no one wants to live in because everyone's dead. It's really funny um, that I was reading more of the second Drizzt book, which that is, is really about... funny. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> um, Brunor's like whole deal in that book is he's the dwarf of the party. His family had a hall called Mithril Hall, and it was stolen from them, and he's trying to go out and find it and reclaim it. And it's, like, such a smaller thing, because there's only, like, four guys, and they go in and they find the dwarf halls. Uh, And that, like, just compared with The Hobbit was a very funny juxtaposition for me. Um... Anything else? Dwarves are always losing their halls. They love doing it. <laughs> they hate it, actually. They hate it. They love recovering their halls. Yeah. I, I, I hate that's to the... lose my hull, but I love to recover my hull. <laughs> yeah. That's the dwarf equivalent of the divine sword. <laughs> <laughs> this stuff is really interesting because then, like, in Tolkien, um, because this is not the first one of these fancy stories, it's dealing with established tropes, but because it's so massively influential, the specifics of the cultures are lost a little in that like dwarves are always recovering the goddamn halls right but in this that's because this is set in an era where both the dwarves and the elves power have faded and so they're like these long-lived uh, like um you know uh long-lived societies uh that have their own relics and that have had their own tragedies before them so they're always like looking back um and then these like characteristics get passed down into other fiction even if you know that Middle Earth is about the age of magic dying. That's like the point in which this stuff is set. Not Middle Earth generally, but like the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit are set towards the end of this. Um, right. And I feel like these get universalized into what the dwarves are uh, when <laughs> uh, it is a it is a specific cultural point in a history that Tolkien made, rather than like a universal uh, character trait. Yeah, Dane's not doing this shit. He's right. chilling. He Dane's chilling. <laughs> He's I mean, ready to go. Dane Dane gets to inherit. Dane gets to inherit a kingdom, right? Like he he yeah. he shows up with an army at the right time, and now he's king under the mountain. Yeah. That's what happens. Oh, okay. Robbing was calls him Dine instead of Nine. I think it is Dine. Oh, I thought it was Dane instead of Name. <laughs> yeah, Andy Circus is Dane. Okay, I, I think uh. it's Dine. Um, I'm you know, I would default to Rob Inglis over Andy Circus in pronunciation yes. of Tolkien's. Uh, mythological creatures um but yeah the specifically the the thing with dwarves like the part where they just kind of like are always living through this like slow diaspora is is like an interesting thing we will keep revisiting because mm-hmm. 
Because they're always like being pushed out of somewhere. They they had a place. It's gone. They fucked it up. Someone took it. One of there's like a thousand different reasons, but they're always trying to get back to somewhere. Um, and it never goes well. Like right, like Dane gets it, but like it, it wasn't his to get. Right, like he didn't do anything. He just showed up at the right time. But he did have an army from where his kingdom was, where he wasn't trying to reclaim the mountain. He only came when he heard <laughs> the dragon was dead and someone was calling for help. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just opened his. Uh, Lord of the Rings wiki page and was punched in the face by this horrible CGI helmet that this guy is wearing in the Hobbit movie. Oh, he's got uh, the big fuck off helmet, right? Because there's like yeah, a whole thing about him being goofy sitting on like a deer or something, right? In everyone, the Battle of Five Armies. Everyone looks so shiny in every screenshot of this movie. I hate the grading on this. It's one of the worst looking movies. It's God really damn. bad. I yes. sent the image to our chat here. Yes. It's no good. You fixated on the helmet. I fixated on this entire skyline here. Like the the mm, the that helmet is a World of Warcraft model that has been badly <laughs> over his face. I'm sorry, it doesn't even line yeah. up with his nose. What is happening no, you're right. here? Holy you're shit! Right. Anyway, we'll talk about the movie some other time. I just uh, I got just hit with that. Oh right, right, right. No, the the. Uh... The part that you have excluded from this image, we're just going to talk briefly about how the Hobbit movie sucks, is uh, (laughs) where he's riding a big armored warthog. It looks more like a puma. Oh my god. Enter Dine and Battle Pig. Gandalf gets a close-up of Billy Connolly's Dwarf Warrior. (laughs) (laughs) Gandalf Close-up of what now? <laughs> Close-up of Billy Connolly's dwarf warrior. A what? That's his hog. That's his hog. And oh, since it's Billy Connolly, definitely give him a bunch of like bumbling to do. Um, and that God, that movie fucking sucks. You sure you don't want to join us and me and Nora watch it? I mean, I don't. When when that happens, I probably will. Yeah, that's fucking right. Because I could talk about how literally you could rewrite that third movie into anything other than what they did, and it'd be a better film. Yep, you oh, could literally, I'm, yeah, you could, you could thousand monkey, thousand typewriters way into a better movie within three years. Yep. I'm gonna like wash my hands, be like, well, I can't watch the second movie because of the spiders, so I guess I can't watch the third movie. Darn, darn. Oh well. You can literally <laughs> just skip. You can just walk out the room for the spiders bit and come back because it doesn't nope. matter because nope. it's the fucking Hobbit. No, nope. can't watch it. Okay. <laughs> How are you going to do Return of the King the movie? I'll walk out of the room when the spider shows up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I will close my eyes. This is a reason, at least, so, so you can hear Sam's cool lines. Because he has a cool line. No, because the spider noises are just as bad as looking at the spider. So And that one especially. Yeah. That one's... That was way worse because it has really good effects as opposed yes. to the spiders. In because the movie. P- Peter Jackson hates spiders, and that's what he was channeling when he was telling them how to like animate. The, the- yes. Wait, really? Is this yes. Peter Jackson? Yes. Yeah. It's like if you made a movie to scare yourself. <laughs> yeah. If I was like, okay, uh, it's basically if I made Rom the vacuous spider. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you liked Rom. I thought Rom was okay with you. Rom was okay. It's the spiders in the church at the end of the game. No good. I had to have you play that part. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I only got okay with Rom because I used to live with a guy who played Bloodborne too much, and he got stuck on Rom for, like, ten days. This is different from the... Um, no, same guy. Rocket League esports guy. Same guy. Oh, okay. We we should probably wrap up. We're clearly done here. We have emails. 
right. Yeah. Where can people send those to if they want to send emails? They can send those to exportaudiopodcast at gmail.com. Please, 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 please put um, that bag up. end or hobbit. Or Not a hobbit anymore. No, put, Lord. Put I mean, you could ask you could ask hobbit questions still. I don't put mind. fellowship or bag end in your subject line because a lot of different podcasts send emails here and also um, we've just been getting a lot of patrons lately which is great but it does make the inbox hard to navigate so yeah so your four keywords are hobbit fellowship towers or king yeah and then bag end or and also bag end would be helpful we'll probably search bag end to, yeah. anyway 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 first question from camille which hobbit or Tolkien characters broadly tuck the homies in at night. Gandalf doesn't tuck you in until you're already asleep. <laughs> <laughs> but then he does. <laughs> but then he does. You have to get sleepy first. Bilbo would if he thought it was proper. I, I think, think I think every hobbit tucks the homies in at night. Some of them are just ruder about it. Yeah, okay. I feel like Bilbo would expect a guest to be able to tuck themselves in. Thank you very much. <laughs> But then at the end of the book, he he starts the book as, like, you should be able to tuck yourself in. And he ends the book as tucking the homies in goodnight. Dwarves have never tucked anyone in. No. Period. No. <laughs> the only thing Assholes the dwarves tuck in is they tuck their enemies into their graves. <laughs> um, Do you think Bayorn? Mm, no. Bayorn does not tuck yes. the homies in at night. Elrond tucks the homies in at night, though. Yeah. Okay. okay. Thranduil? You know Thranduil would not tuck the homies in at night. No. He would hi- he would tell someone to do it for him and think that that's the same thing, even though it's maybe, not. Maybe like a cool son of his. No, incredibly not a cool son of his. <laughs> Is that Legolas? Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> he was pretty cool. He was there at the Battle of Five Armies. I don't know if he saw him or not. <laughs> you know what? I didn't. Um, anyone? Uh, broader Tolkien characters? Do we, Is there any... I, so I don't know this character hardly at all. Does Aragorn do this? Yes. Does Boromir? Um, only his like squad. Like yeah, he's really yeah. like he's really picky like about Boromir it. Squad. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> like, Farmir, Farmir will tuck in anybody. He's just he's just hoping <laughs> oh, yeah. to have a homie to tuck in. <laughs> I'll be old in this life. <laughs> uh, I can't think then, of anyone else. Sam tucks in everybody. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Sam's literal character trait and the moral of Lord of the Rings is about the importance of taking the homies at night. (laughs) Aiden asks, which locale in The Hobbit would you most want to sit down for a meal at, and which meal? Breakfast, lunch, dinner, second breakfast, etc.? Elevensies? Um... You know what? Elevensies at Rivendell would kick ass. I was gonna say, I want want breakfast at Rivendell. I want to... I, I want I want second breakfast at Rivendell. <laughs> oh, they don't That's know what, what I is. want. They get real annoyed when you, when you ask for it. <laughs> no, I want I want four twenty at Rivendell. <laughs> <laughs> mm, maybe the maybe the Mirkwoodells would be more fun to smoke with. Yeah, maybe. I want. I, I want. They're not smoking. They're not. They're not. They're not smoking. They're doing other stuff. They're like eating mushrooms over there. I feel like dancing <laughs> in the woods. <laughs> what if? What if you? What if you had breakfast in Rivendell, hopped on an eagle's back, and then had dinner in Mirkwood? <laughs> it would be a. Uh, what's lunch? 
That's oh. an, that's an extremely you have your birthday twice because you get on international flight logic. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a follow up question to this. Okay. I haven't answered. I haven't answered my. Uh, I would oh, like yeah. the. I guess it'd just probably be like the supper. It would. It would probably be like an early afternoon, but like the big meal at Meduseld, which is the hall in Rohan, which we'll get to mm. eventually. A couple weeks. Uh, like. 12 weeks. Yeah, like three months from now. Like a couple months. Like halfway through the podcast. Um, Like Christmas time. Christmas in Rohan. Um, Well, you know, we're going to get through these books quicker than I thought. We're going to get through these three books quicker than we thought, and then we're going to spend, I think, six months reading The Silmarillion. Could be wrong about that. Might have the numbers wrong. No, no. The summer um, is not that long, is it? I thought it was. No, 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 no. It's. I think. I think it was twenty-eight chapters when I looked. I might be wrong, but I think that's right. Okay. Yeah, twenty-eight chapters. Lord of the Rings will take a long time, but I say, we, we I, hit I Rohan like right at the beginning of Two Towers, so you know. <laughs> right, because it starts with Aragorn. Yes. Oh, right, right. Yes, because got yes. it. I forgot yeah. how um, the structure of Lord of the Rings for a second there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the book is different, but um. I, my question is, what area or set piece from The Hobbit would you most want to see in a Tony Hawk game? So we've got things like the uh, the rock giants throwing stones on the mountainside. Mm-hmm. We've got the, the wolf chase. You know what? Actually, Lake Town. Lake Town. You want to jump over that river. Yeah. I think I'm going to pick the spider-infested forest. No. Sorry, <laughs> but it, the the webbing would like interfere with your skateboard. You'd have to like avoid the. What webs. if you got to ride the webs? Actually, oh yeah. I mean, what if that is what if it was like Fern Gully, but like a Tony Hawk level? Is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Um, I think Goblin Town would be fun. Goblin Town would be fun. All I see is the movie version of my brain, and I hate it. I fucking hate it. Um. Our next no, email. No book has suffered more from the existence of a movie <laughs> version than Dahomey. The thing is, I actually think I think it hurts the first half more than the second half because the second half of this book is so good, it just obliterates the movie. Yeah. Movies, <laughs> the but two I, and a half movies that adapt the second half of The Hobbit, a thing I read in like an afternoon. <laughs> but also if the Hobbit was I like, read it in a single day. <laughs> <laughs> if The Hobbit was like... If the Hobbit movies just existed, they'd be fine. Like no one would care. They're terrible movies. Um, but it's because the visual design of Lord of the Rings is also so culturally influential that then it gives the terrible imagery in the Hobbit the power to like actually penetrate people's brains when you come around to it and you for think me, about that stuff. For me, the problem <laughs> is that like every time, because I haven't seen the Hobbit movies, but they were like ruined for me too. Because like every time I th- I see an image from these movies, I'm like. We could have had the Guillermo del Toro one. I don't think it. I don't think it'd be that much better. Movie. I think it'd have its own problems and be bad in a different way. Yeah, but like I like bad Guillermo del Toro movies a lot. <laughs> he he that, doesn't make mon- many of them, but he's made a couple ones that are not very good, and I still love those movies. I think you I know? think it matters more that it'd be two movies instead yes. of three than it'd be Guillermo del Toro. And that change was made after. I think Peter Jackson was originally making a two movie. Yes, version. he was. So, yes, because yes. so, so like, it was. Yeah, it was Guillermo making one. It was Guillermo making two. It was Peter Jackson making two. It was Peter Jackson making three. That's how it went. Um, I don't like the 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 white orc that they added. Looks in every screenshot like he's made of sour cream. He looks so <laughs> smooth and soft. 
He just doesn't look real at all. That's because he's not real at all. He's CG. God, the works in, in the other movies were so good. Most of them were makeup effects. That's why. That's the difference. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have a question from Neve, uh, who asks, what's your favorite linguist nerd joke in The Hobbit? Um, mine might be from the discussion we had in the Discord about like trying to figure out how to pronounce uh, Bjorn, Bjorn and the answer... <laughs> And realizing the it's a joke it about both of them. <laughs> yeah, because it's both like old English shit and old Norse shit, so it could be Bjorn. And one bear. means warrior and one means bear. And <laughs> yes. And the, 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 the character is also transforming. It's like, god yes. damn it, dude. <laughs> My mine specifically is Bag End itself, which is a, a rough translation of cul-de-sac, which is the term that the English speakers of the world use to describe when your road ends. In like and doesn't go through to anywhere where people live uh, because there's nothing English speakers like more than making French names for stuff to make their shit sound fancy. It's just a dead end <laughs> street. The French don't call it a cul-de-sac. They call it an impasse. Um, and so that specifically is like a knock on like Francophile affectation has always been funny. Um, Jackson, Nora? Uh, I like I both don't... of those. I can't think of another extra one. Yeah. Okay. No. I don't know anything about linguists. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. It's fine. Um, also, in rereading this, I realized that I still know how to read Tolkien's runes. Um, what very dorky bit of specialized knowledge from your childhood do you still know to this day? I have thankfully um, forgotten uh, all of the Quenyan I once knew when I went through my <laughs> Tolkien phase, which is one of, one of the two Elvish languages uh, not encountered in this story, thankfully. I had an answer for this when she sent it in, and I cannot remember it. Um, I I used to just, like, memorize dates constantly. Like, any movie that I watched, I could just tell you, like, the month and year that it came out. I cannot do that anymore, thank God. <laughs> I could probably still do oh. that. Give me a movie. <laughs> um, Alien. Uh, well, that's 1979. They're like... <laughs> That's 1979 <laughs> summer. I can't tell the exact month, but I know when that movie came out. Give me a movie uh, from my lifetime. Well, it came out in the summer of 2004. Uh, summer of 2004. Fuck, that one's actually hard because I know 2003, which is made reloaded and everything, and then 2005 is... Um, big uh, Fat Liar. Uh, big Fat Liar might be that, yeah. <laughs> 2004 is Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2, 2004. Mean uh, Girls came out in the summer of 2004. Uh, Hellboy also... also. Me when when was Spider-Man... When did the Spider-Man movies come out? 2002, 2004, 2007. Okay. Um, when did The Half-Blood Prince come out? 2006. Oh, that's the book. Uh, 2009. I'm, I'm really glad that I said, when did the Spider-Man movies came out, and you just named the correct ones. We didn't have to, like, talk about this. Those are the amazing <laughs> Spider-Man movies? Excuse you. Uh, those are 2012 <laughs> and 2014. Yeah. <laughs> I... <laughs> Emma's done this before. I remember the fucking dates of things like a stupid person. I have, no, I have, I have, no, I have no head I used this. to be able I have zero to do it, and I can't. I I've never been good at it. I'm still... I'm. 2014. I think that's 2012. Wait, what, was the, what was the question? John, John Carter. Carter. Uh, John Carter's 2012. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I know that? I, I, I gave up halfway through John Carter because I was bored. Uh, I, like I can't imagine... That's a, that is a movie that is good, Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it in 2012. What do you want from me? <laughs> okay. Um, I was going to say something. Probably. I love that for you. Yeah. We, we you probably... Uh, did we have any more? We, did, we answered the question, so... We answered the question. Oh, I was going to say... Um, 
I was, I was trying to think of like dorky bit of specialized knowledge from your childhood. Oh yes. Um, there's. I remember lots of Star Wars lore from like mm-hmm. the Goosebumps ripoff series, mm-hmm. and I remember lots of Aragon. But also, I reread that recently. Um, you didn't tell me that you know how to like speak like Ewok or something. No, what? <laughs> No, I never got into that kind of thing that would be hard to do. <laughs> like languages, I never did any of those. Um, M, where can people find you online? You can find me online at em underscore being on Twitter. You can find all of my podcasts at neuralmapping.com. There's a lot of them. Uh, check out Reptoy Screenings. We just watched Life of Brian. That's a bad fucking movie. And the is way really? we go in on it yes. is uh, fun. Oh. It's, fun. it's a miserable time. Okay. Just out of curiosity, how do you two feel about other Monty Python movies? I haven't seen. I haven't seen. I've only seen Holy Grail. I haven't seen it in fifteen years. I remember liking it. I liked it okay. at the time. Uh, Life of Brian is a is a movie about men in dresses being jokes and how the left always fights amongst itself, so you can't take it seriously. That's the movie. <laughs> Oh, John Cleese. All right. I yes, get it. Yes. No, don't, don't worry. All of this is covered in the podcast. Yes. Um, but yeah, you can check out all the podcasts there. It's good. We're watching Unforgiven. I'm sure it's going to be better. It can't be worse. Basically, I, can't be worse. I fucking love it when the old ways are dying. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, Jackson, where can people find you? You can find me on twitter.com a head falls off uh you can find the podcast at me i'm do at anormapping.com i already did that one i did that one you have to do the other one <laughs> you can support us on patreon at patreon.com <laughs> you can listen to the best great kind of project for um one dollar a month it's great we are watching turn a and planet says right now having a fantastic time uh five dollars a month uh, you can watch blockbusters or read blockbusters. Yeah, listen to blockbusters. We have to find. <laughs> you got there. Oh, the day, Jesus. the day in which this comes out for the export patrons will be the day we're recording our episode on Zero Dark Thirty. So look forward to that. I am excited because um, I when I saw this movie in theaters, I hated it. Me too. But uh, okay. Well, yeah. I just feel like it is more up your two alley than it is mine so i'm excited to see like i'm just really curious about what it is because i don't i you know i watched it i in don't remember anything. So yeah yeah um now and also a uh, thing thanks to autumn for revealing how much uh patter is in our plugs and jackson can't do the other side <laughs> <laughs> completely thrown completely thrown <laughs> <laughs> um nora where can people find you you can find me on twitter at neither nora you can find stuff that I've done at norablake.online, and you can support this podcast by going to exportaud.io or patreon.com slash exportaudio if you'd prefer to type more buttons on your keyboard. You'll get this uh, podcast a week early, because uh, we love you that way. Yeah. We're special. Yeah. You'll also get... Uh, Hot Singles, Ornate Stairwells. Um, the other one... Ars Arcanum. Ars Arcanum. <laughs> the other one that we recorded this morning. Okay. Um, it's another book. Called Gotham, Gotham. Gotham. That's the one that you. When you said the other one, I was like, "There's two more. You can't say the other one. There's two more." Uh, you'll also get uh, back to the Ark, which is our patron exclusive Marble Hornets podcast. It's very good. I'm catching up. We have a good time. We record like six or seven episodes uh, per recording session, which means that you can hear in con- concrete chunks when we forget what our <laughs> sign-off is or you know what how the structure of the podcast goes because we first the first gap between recording sessions was four months 
Cool. So, um, Nora basically did all my plugs, but you can also find me on Twitter at Atomal underscore coffee. Batman, li- watch, ba- listen to Batman. Watch Batman and listen to Batman. Yes, do both of those things. You should also go to the secondbestgame.club. Yeah. You should do that, yeah. We just did, uh, that's Journal Updated, we just did an episode on Deus Ex, and next we'll be doing an episode on Late Shift. Do sex. Do sex. Do sex. <laughs> I, have, I, have one, I have one more thing uh, that I want to post that I found when I was searching for shit earlier. Um, the, the, we can end on this. Please uh, enjoy this uh, image, this cursed image I'm sending you all. Uh, we have the tag here, fan out of dying. No! no! <laughs> What the fuck is this? Uh, this, this is this is dying as like a lalafell. I it seems to him as a child, but he just looks cursed because he's a dwarf, so he's still got the beard and like the braids and everything with the the giant boar he's riding on. But as a piglet, like just like when they were when they met, they were friends, and then he rode him into battle. <laughs> this is so cursed. It's so cursed. Nora was showing me Femme Bilbo anime art yesterday. Nope, that's was... even more cursed. I'm leaving. We end this podcast. <laughs> Nora, what's the sign-off? I don't even know what the sign-off is. Until next time, read for Ruin and the Red Dawn. Next episode, we'll be covering the first four chapters of Fellowship of the Ring. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.